There's a legend around here. A killer buried, but not dead. A curse on Crystal Lake. A death curse. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade's bonus Friday the 13th episode. Every Friday the 13th, Brandon, Colin, and permanently geeks Randy Schaefer will gather around the campfire to reminisce about one of Jason, Pamela, or Roy's Crystal Lake killing spree. Please keep in mind this discussion will be full of spoilers and will contain harsh language. is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is a Friday the 13th bonus episode. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your co-hoster who's been rejected by several science fiction magazines in the continental U.S., Colin. I can take rejection. It's fine. And Randy is out. We had we had a bit of kerfuffle. He was sick when we originally wanted to record this, and then after we had to make a quick scheduling change, he wasn't allowed to come, but he promises to be back for the next time. Instead, we have a treat from JoeBlow.com and also now a big-time movie producer, James Oster. Jimmy O is with us. Yes, how are you? And uh, don't forget Arrow in the Head, too. And Arrow in the Head, the yes. Yeah, I got yes. the horror movie section. <laughs> and writer of one of my favorite uh, things is maybe it's the booze talking. Yeah, that. in fact, I have a really fun one uh, that I just finished that will be going up tomorrow about uh, a little bit about how uh, straight-to-video sequels could be a little better. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was watching Curse of Chucky, and I'm like, it can be done. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. Yes. It's a really good movie. Makes so, me fact, exalt- I, excited for Cult of Chucky. I'm I'm thrilled because you know and funny thing is I just Curse of Chucky it gets better and better it's a good flick. Well, I think the, with, that, with that Curse the of Chucky Dorf is great. With well they bring her back too which is exciting. Uh, with yes. Curse of Ch- Curse of Chucky I think everybody saw that and went they should have put that in the theater. Like yeah was... <laughs> yep. And it's funny I saw it several months before I got to see it really early which you know because they're kind of they wanted to see how it played to horror horror like journalists. I was like, uh, why are we not getting this in the theater? Because this is good. But, you know, it, it's, I guess business is business, whatever. Speaking of business, you're uh, in the in the movie producing business. You want to talk about? I sh- Yeah, it's, uh, ironically, uh, as we record this today, we are shooting uh, a film called Sick for Toys. It's a film I wrote with, co-wrote with my, my pal Justin Smith, or Justin Xavier, whichever he wants to. I think he's Justin Xavier on uh, IMDb now. Uh, and I'm, I'm ecstatic because David Del Rio is directing. If you don't recognize the name, you'll probably recognize him because he was on uh, the Pitch Perfect. He was in Grease Live. He's got a great role in Belco Experiment. Uh, he was in a movie called Spare Parts. And he it is his first time directing a feature film. He's done a bunch of shorts, but he's uh, he's directing a feature film. 
And we have, which is really fun for uh, horror fans, we have the new Pinhead playing a small cameo. Paul Taylor is along for the ride. And it's it's thrilling. I mean, I, I'm just so excited. I'll be going to the set this weekend. I'm, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled about everything right now. And that's a and Pinhead is... from the upcoming one, not the Revelations one. Yes, yes. No, it, it, it's the Judgment. The, yeah, not the Revelations, the Judgment. Yes. So we'll see how that one is. <laughs> but yeah it's uh with this the harvesters it's been a it's been a crazy ride it really has you doing any acting lately uh, i do i'm doing a short ironically enough uh someone wrote a, a script for me it's a great role it's a very drama-y drama a nice drama so yeah i'm kind of kind of doing it all right now which is exciting and there's even more there's other projects in the works that i'm just kind of trying to figure out can i do it all and so far yes that's my goal (laughs) exciting times and uh yeah we've been wanting to have you on the show but i mean finding good spot right time and then boom right Mm -hmm. the 13th no better time oh yeah Oh, yeah. I, I'm so glad because I actually forgot it was Friday the 13th this week. So that makes me happy. Yeah, I appreciate you, you sitting through this. So That's a big sacrifice. Thank you for watching this movie. <laughs> no, you know what? I got to say, I, nostalgia plays a huge part in my love for these movies. I know half of them are garbage, but I can't help it. Even the worst ones, even... For me, the worst one is Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. I will watch it repeatedly. Repeated. I don't care how crappy it is. I don't care how stupid the characters are. I enjoy the hell out of these movies. So, very excited. That's probably the one I've watched the most because it's so stupid. Oh, it's so stupid. I mean, it's... I, I think my favorite stupid one is uh, probably Jason Goes to Hell because it's just such a wacky, weird, super violent. And it, they got really violent with that one, which I, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my, my favorite stupid one is Five. I... Oh, yeah. Five, <laughs> here's the thing, though. Here's the question with Five. If they didn't have that stupid ending tacked on where you did, you found out, you know, spoiler alert, that he's not Jason and he's the ambulance driver, would people have been like, yeah, it was a pretty awesome movie? I don't know. It's 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 got the guy eating the candy bar, the uh, debarge bathroom, <laughs> sa- uh, shipbox serenade. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I that is one of the greatest scenes ever. It, Come on. I, and don't forget Lana. Is it Lana, the one in the restaurant? Yeah. Like, yeah. Lana yes. Was, yes. Like, oh, I love. Mm. She was so terrible, but she she had a rack. So you know, a, there you go. Yeah. Danny Steinman film, which we did his his movie Savage Streets last year on this podcast, which oh, nice. carries over that guy that picks up Lana from the from the store. But <laughs> uh, yeah, the, oh, that movie just fascinates the hell out of me. It gets a good chuckle out of me, and it's got some brutality and just it's you know we'll, we'll talk about that one when we get to that yeah, on this podcast, absolutely. I guess. But, but we're here for the New Blood Part Seven from 1988, which uh, was directed by John Carl Beekler and stars Lar Park Lincoln, Terry Kaiser, Kevin Spiritas, Susan Blue, Elizabeth Kaitan, and debuting Kane Hodder as Jason. Yeah, what, what? This is the one you've been waiting for. What's happening to me? Your psychokinesis and these delusions are... No, you're not listening to me! The one you've been asking for. Hey, Tina, 
Isn't this the way they wear their jackets back in the mental hospital? Concentrate. Concentrate, Dina. The one you've been dying for. You people give me the creeps. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me. Jason ah! is back. But this time... Someone is waiting. This one, this one came following Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, which it made money, but was a, a significant downtick at the box office, kind of like disappointing the studio a bit. Mm-hmm. But at that time, box office was different. People didn't blame. Maybe the previous sequel wasn't well-liked, and that's why people didn't come mm-hmm. back. It was just, you know, you blame the current film. So they wanted, they wanted to go back a more, I don't know, the traditional root with it or something but they were also in competition with freddy krueger and this was the first time they thought about doing a joint studio venture to make them fight each other but this was just like no this is not gonna work they they wanted to give jason an adversary and they the script was called jason's destroyer at first and uh it's basically as pitched by them carrie versus jason yep Mm -hmm. and that's that's what you get and it's it's something different to add to it, the, all the cast though, the, their title of the script that they they read for for auditions was called Birthday Bash. Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, yes, it was. They brought on John Carl Beekler to direct, and he had done I think I think he'd done Ghoulies at this time, but he'd mainly done Troll. It was oh, the special God. effects. He was a special effects guy on Reanimator and From Beyond, which mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, makes sense that guy. And he was gonna. You know, bring that element, and he did, and he kind of went crazy with this movie. Like, this is low budget as the others, but, I mean, this one looks like it cost a lot more money. But mm-hmm. it also, a lot of that, a lot more money could have looked even more expensive, but most of it's on the cutting room floor, which this is probably yeah. the most severely hacked up movie by the MPAA in the franchise. Yeah, so it's, I think this is the one that so many people are, I like, calling for the... You know the uncut version, which I keep hearing that that will never happen. No, because, they had to know? destroy upon uh, release orders with the the discarded footage. They've provided documented proof that this does not exist, and people still think it exists. But it there was a destroy yep. like destroy upon release like record with the discarded footage. They don't have outtakes. All that exists is John Carl Beekler. I think he has like a work print VHS. Yeah, that was that's basically it. And it's in that's... bad condition, and you can't cl- even if it was in good condition, you can't clean that up and insert it into the film. No, I mean even if you could, it'd end up like that. Remember that awful uh, Halloween Six Curse of Michael Myers, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 street yeah. version, which was so terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you're like, okay, there's a good movie. He- well, there's an okay movie there. You couldn't get that. You couldn't even get that. Yeah, and, and it's they just so recently. Disappointing. 
they did a Exorcist three like that with the original cut, and they intermixed it with the the scenes that were shared. They used the good version, the mm-hmm. the you know the actual you know, print, but you know it still would cut to a VHS. It, it was obvious. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's what you get right now, and the, I mean this movie has one of the most memorable deaths in the entire series. But it would have had like so many more because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. the guy Ben, he's a, the token black guy in the film, and his death, <laughs> yeah. his death, Jason, do you see him like grabbing his head and hearing sounds? But in the original one, he smashed his head and it burst like a pimple with blood yep. and stuff gushing. It's awesome, but it it's is gone. Amazing. And it's nowhere ever to be seen again. So a lot of the deaths in this movie, at least what's left, are just really uninspired. It's like, well, they got stabbed. Well, they they cut away from a lot of it, too. Yeah, they cut away almost every, I mean, what is that weed whacker thing that he has? How cool would have that been? Yeah, I know. Well, they have, like, guts and stuff. The guy that's, like, the real villain of this movie you know, being <laughs> murdered by Jason. That would have been awesome. But mm-hmm. but no, we can't even see that. I mean, seriously, that's it's it's it was so frustrating. I think when I first saw it, I didn't realize I was still kind of in love with the fact of Jason being mm-hmm. back. And so I, I was kind of like I didn't I didn't really realize as I as a kid seeing it that you, how your mind makes was. up stuff, too. Like you might think you saw more than you did. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. But going back and watching it, it's like, I didn't even see, like, the knife go in. You just saw, like, his, you know, the knife be close to an abdomen, and then, like, okay, well, I guess he's dead now. Yeah, exactly. Some people, you do get to see the aftermath. Like, there's the boyfriend that doesn't quite make it in the lake to skinny dip. They cut, because Jason basically kind of, like, golf clubs him with a uh, with an axe in the chin mm-hmm. and splits his mm-hmm. face open, but... It cuts right as it's about to make contact, but then later you see him in the woods, and you're like, "What happened to his face?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. That whole uh, I, I do like that. I like that kind of scene where he just kind of falls in front of her, and you're like, "Wow, that's a, that's a perfect timing." Jason's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah. takes like measurements Although in the wind they, and stuff like that. Yes. Oh no. There. Well, it did explain that slightly in the remake that he's just magical and can do all these things and has all these tunnels in the woods. So maybe that's how he does it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Keeping on on Beekler, this guy, you can just tell he puts his all in this movie. And I, I think the, mm-hmm. you know, his lighting schemes and his sets and his fog, he has a really good idea and use of just making something creepy as hell looking, but then also got a really good sense for like horror action too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He could shoot Jason very well. This is honestly one of my favorite Jasons. This is the, probably the best mm. looking Jason. Oh I, sure. I mean, yeah. it's if the Jason the monster and the guy when the mask comes off, he looks pretty good too. I tend to agree with that. I think he he Kane really brought his A game and the 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 design, the creature design. It's one of the coolest. I I think it may be my favorite. Yeah, out of all the Jasons, as a monster, yes, like uh, Jason is the man. There's that, but then you get Jason the monster, which I think most people, you know, the killing machine, the the you know unstoppable dead. Like I think Jason, that's what people think of with Jason more so. And yeah, yeah, the zombie Jason kind of changed the game a little bit. Yeah, and while for better or for worse, and while it changed the game, while the movies don't have strict continuity, which 
as I've mentioned before, like, the, take them as mythology, like legends, like campfire tales. Like, you know, mm-hmm. nothing connects. It's all from third-hand, fourth-hand sources. The Jason, the look of him carries continuity. And, and John Carl Beekler made sure to do that. He was the first one, I think, that intentionally kept his Jason with all the damage that had been done to him in previous movies. But throughout all of them, he keeps damage. Like, if something happens to his mask or to his body, it carries over movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which and I think uh, John Carl talked a little bit about that in the commentary for the seventh film. I'm yeah, Like, they tried to get the, the cuts right on the mask, all that stuff. And he, he looks like he's been through the ringer, mm-hmm. to be honest. And, and, <laughs> and Beekler yeah. really films Jason very well in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. He's got good lighting schemes, mm-hmm. and he just he knows how to make him look really scary mm-hmm. you guys you know you were talking about how much you liked jason in this movie and i think i might not like him in this movie um, <laughs> well I, I i think i might not like kane hotter as, as jason i don't like hate him i don't like look at it and go like this is an, an abomination but yeah yeah of there, course <laughs> But there, there was a part where it was Maddie, the girl with the glasses. She runs and she hides in uh, like a shed or a barn or something. And you see mm-hmm. Jason walk in. She's hiding and she's looking through like a slit in the wood. And you see Jason walk in. He looks up at that slit. The way he does it, it just seems like way too quick. Just like he jerks his head down and then he walks away. And I think it just would have... And that, that's kind of Kane Hodder's style and i think it, it just would have been better or it would have been scarier if he just slowly looked up and just kind of stared in there for a moment and then just walked away he didn't jerk his head he just turns his whole body and just leaves the room like you're certain that he saw you but he didn't like give away that he saw you you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it would have been played like that i think that would have been a lot scarier and that's just kind of how kane Potter's portrayal of Jason, it's kind of staccato, I, I guess. Or you could have John Carl Beekler telling him things to do as he goes in. That's very uh, true, yeah. He could be like, okay, look, yeah. uh, look over here, now look down. You know, it could be that, and that, and that could be part of it, too. And, and maybe that's it, that he was directed that way, and then going on in all of his other portrayals of Jason, he's stuck with that. And that could be part of it, too. Could be very, very like, I mean, I, I think it's weirdly enough. I like a lot of the things that you, that didn't work for you. I didn't mind that scene, but I get what you're saying. And I, 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 it's funny that scene stuck out to me really clear and I don't know why, but I did notice that quick look cause I just watched it like recently. And I, it is, I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. It could be, it could have probably worked even better had he, they done it a little more menacing or a little menacing or a little more suspenseful. Not a lot of suspense there, but uh, yeah. it it still worked for me because it's still he's such a menacing monster of a man, and I just I loved I love the way he just consumes that character. Seems like he took it way seriously, which yeah. I kind of like. Well, it's <laughs> like you get the fan. Like I think only like, Kane Hodder. And then Derek Mears are the only ones who are like, oh, I get to play Jason. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. you know they, they wouldn't do it for free, but they would do it for free type of thing because they just, yeah. you know, are happy to have, like, a continuous role in character, which I think is undervalued in Hollywood because so many people get tired of playing roles. Now now we get people because they do it because they're locked into contracts. But, you know, Kane would happily don the hockey mask again if you ask mm-hmm. him. No matter, uh, you know. Yeah, he was, well, he, 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 he was very disappointed that he couldn't with uh, Jason versus Freddy, so... 
And he definitely does put his own stamp on the character, because he, when he's playing it, you know he's playing it. He, as, as far as I can remember, oh, yeah. he, he's the only person that plays Jason, that it always seems like Jason's about ready to have an asthma attack, because he's uh, always breathing oh, yeah. super heavily. Do zombies breathe? Like it's, it's, I, He's very proud of that breathing, he added. Yeah. Yes, he really is. He really is. It's very menacing. <laughs> Speaking of menacing, can we talk about the Canadian tuxedo in the film? <laughs> you mean Zap Rousdower Jr. Yes. in the movie? I, I think we should. It's one of the most beautiful Canadian tuxedos. Uh, Kevin Spiritas, going by Kevin Blair in this movie, for this did Hills Have Eyes 2. He did uh, the subspecies movies. Um, openly gay actor, which we'll, we'll get into some mm-hmm. of that stuff in a sec. But mm-hmm. yeah, he wears a nice Canadian tuxedo, and this movie was filmed in Louisiana, so it's not like it was a Canadian stigma that carried over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is never not wearing the Canadian tuxedo. He just changes the shirt. He changes the, the dress, the, the quote-unquote dress shirt under. Mm-hmm. That's right. I've had, enough, I've had enough of the collar. Now it's time for a sweater. Yeah, so, but yeah, he's played, and speaking of his openly gay, this movie was known as Fry Gay the 13th, because majority of the male cast members in the movie were homosexual and apparently there was like you know there's no chemistry with the leads it's kind of forced no, kind of there and some people blame it's it on like that brother and sister yeah mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of the cast i guess you know it was a little heated on set like because there was you know people get into these like relationships and stuff when they film movies and things like that and i mean i always like sex or whatever but just you know dudes in one corner girls in the other and uh, not all the time to get along and then john carl beekler was dealing with a micromanaging line producer on the film, too, mm-hmm. that was causing him some trouble. So, I mean, maybe this uh, one didn't have the most positive vibe when shooting, and then, you know, had MP- the, the notable MPAA problems that we talked about. But it did have a a, a better-known cast this time around. I, not, not like, oh, look at these superstars, but people you see or <laughs> were actually working heavily at the time. Yeah, there were at least familiar faces. Like, a yeah. lot of them were. Like Terry Kaiser, he... You know, would be Bernie and Weekend at Bernie's, but he, he's done a lot of good genre work and stuff before and after that. And uh, Susan Blue, who plays Tina's mom, was the, a voice of RC in Transformers and a huge cartoon voice actress. And you had mm-hmm. Laura Park Lincoln. She was somebody. Kevin Spiritas, as we mentioned, the guy who played Ben, still working in solid projects, getting good roles to this day. I mean, just some solid, a, a step up in cast from the last couple movies before this. Like, part four had a pretty, a cast notable like this, because it was a bunch of, like, TV, you know, had Crispin Glover and, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. and stuff, but they were all, yeah, like, TV were, acting kids. It, it, there yeah. were a lot of, like, working actors in this movie. Like, there are several Friday the 13th movies where, after the Friday the 13th, they do one or two more things, and then they just quit acting. But this one actually has people in it that continued to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had that going for it. People with, which we get in the the opening credits of this movie, when we get these people's names, one by one, my God, the music being slow, and it's it starts out as one thing, like, okay, and then it goes to a point of, like, parody, and then it gets to a point where, like, could we start the movie, please? Like, it's <laughs> like these stages of anger. <laughs> like yeah, literally every name in the cast. The paper boy. Let's give him a credit. Yes, the, okay, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> <laughs> he's great. He doesn't have any lines, but he throws a paper and he's really good. Which, Actually, is there a paper? I doubt there's a paper boy, but you know what I'm talking which, about. It's a giant. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant come down because we start the movie with like a, a, a awesome 
intro montage covering the series up to the point uh, narrated by the actor who played Crazy Ralph. And it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like a greatest hits, you know, to start with. And it even has like an animated mask of Jason, like, like breaking open and flying, you know, across the screen. Like, okay, it's going to be awesome. And mm-hmm. then, then it just grinds to a halt. Because the it's not even music. It's just hits of sound underneath yeah, yeah. each individual name on a black screen. Why didn't they just keep? I was there a reason they did they they wanted to change. And I I should know this, but was there a reason they wanted to change the music and have you know every other? I think every other Friday Thirteenth had the kind of at least a you know but before this is like this weird. But I don't even know what it is. You know, when I was watching it... They do I'm add a good piece of score It sounded like something this. else. Yeah. Which, which one? The, the mystical... The, the Tina theme is pretty cool. I like It's a little mystical, weird thing added to it, but I, I, I enjoy oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's all right. I mean, I didn't... It's I just kind of miss that opening credits. I, I want that score. I want well, the yeah. 13 song. Yeah. Well, and it's the same score. It's still by... um. Uh, what's his name? Mancini? He did the score. Yeah, yeah, he did or the Man- scores yeah. for or something, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, he he, he did um, the scores for all the other Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I think well, he did all of them during the Paramount years, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this time around, he was with someone else. It looked like, but he was still involved with it. So it just seems surprising that it was just so. Blech, yeah. To start the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's got good mm-hmm. parts, but as a whole, it's just kind of. Uh, Mm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see the garbage parts of the new guy. <laughs> speaking of garbage yeah. parts, uh, speaking of good stuff to garbage parts, the, the final battle of this movie is pretty awesome. Like, I love as it. disappointed I love as we it. are from the cutaway kills and stuff like that leading up, it, it starts showing. I mean, this this is the budget in place showing all of my Tina, Jason going at it. Telekinesis. What? They had a sex scene? I didn't even think... I, I yeah. didn't think they had they were, Yeah, just hardcore. Oh, geez. Not, wow. Zombie sex. <laughs> zombie that sex. Must have, that must be part of the, you know, the, 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 the unreleased version. Sex of the mind. We'll never say Sex of the oh mind. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, but they go... They, they tear up this house. They fire it, and then they blow it the fuck up. It's... Mm. I mean, that's a huge explosion. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Someone could With have been the killed. The footage it. that we saw—you you saw the camera shake violently yes. when that when that house blew up and proceed to melt. Um, yeah. But then we get to the dock to finish it off, and she raises her father from the lake, who looks like he just spent the night down there. Well, yeah. No, he wasn't in the water. He actually he he decided to stay around, and he, he met SpongeBob. Right. You know, he he had the whole life there, so he you know it was that again. That was part of the the that was some of the cuts they made. Yeah, yeah, they did dress you know? him up more uh, ghoulish looking, but then that line producer hated it, so she made him cut it. Here's a, what pro, why I have a problem with that line producer. It's like the audiences aren't that dumb. We'll figure mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and it's just kind of well, if you just cut if you just cut footage from the beginning of the movie. Where he's like on the dock and ready to fall down. If you just intercut that, yeah. like, hey, like remember this idiot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are like, oh, yeah. that's the dad. People would instantly remember who that character is or yeah. who it's supposed to be. Which, then you put a bunch well, of. I, Beaker says it's the ghost of her dad, not the actual body. So my theory of, or maybe it's, he's retroactively saying that, but my theory of if you fall into Crystal Lake, no one's going to come looking for you. They don't dig you up. Yeah, they just leave you there. <laughs> 
Probably not, though, because there's probably a lot of bodies in Crystal Lake. Because in the last one, they you know they left Jason Chain down there, and they tell the cops, and the cops are like, oh, we ain't going out there. No, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are yeah, not even going to go check. Yeah, they're like, they know if they see Jason, they're screwed. So they're they're not they're not dumb. Jason's like see... the Loch Ness monster of Crystal Lake. They're not going in there, right? <laughs> it's it is amazing, and it, it the, that whole sequence. What, First of all, it's pretty stupid, the idea of her raising her dead dead dad. But, and like, you know, like you said, if we had, if they had made it, uh, they, they could have done something, made him ugly, make it, made him like a zombie too, which would have been made, made more sense, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then have her, fuck, have her say dad. Simple yeah. as that. Simple as that. Simple. She could have said daddy no again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You could have even done a flashback of her saying, daddy, daddy, no. Don't do what you're not doing. And could have brought the the little child actress to. They could cut to her laying on the dock and just mess with everybody. Do you think <laughs> we should just remake it? There we go. All right, yeah, that work. Friday the Thirteenth, the new New Blood. That was always a joke with a friend of mine. He was always like, "Well, if you're going to remake a bad movie, remake Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. <laughs> <laughs> I would remake Eight. A new That's New Beginning. I would remake eight and yeah. actually put it in New York. No, that's what. Yeah, everybody would always like. That's one of the coolest ideas ever is to like get a budget, remake eight, and just live it up. Like that. That would be awesome. It's not the reality we live in, though. No, it is not. It, it seems like here's a problem with these for this franchise, and it's less with this franchise, to be honest, than like Halloween or, or Nightmare on Elm Street, is that they kind of get to a point where like, well, we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So let's change it up a bit. And we, I think we've talked about this before in the past. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the beauty of a, a movie like Friday the 13th is it's just simple. It's just a dude killing right. camp counselors. Well, you the don't 90s need to go brought. The 90s started making us have to explain everything. Yeah, and it's stupid. It, it, it's not necessary. It's really not necessary. I, I would love a just down-home, meat-and-potatoes, let's-see-Jason-killing-teenagers We just movie. need to let... I mean, that's a part of the problem. Like, while I, I, I enjoy a realistic approach we've had to movies the last 20 years and stuff, like, I, sometimes I just want a movie to be a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. There's a, there, There's a reason those movies were so successful. They just kind of connected. I mean, they were... They were silly, they were funny, they were stupid, they were a little scary maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and they were just entertaining. They weren't, well, it, the best, it's not rocket science. The best thing, the best Friday the 13th can do is, they're at their best when they're done for no money, in a hurry, with no names, mm-hmm. and and having to come up on the spot with stuff. Like, Absolutely. That's when they're their best. Yeah. And we don't need a $50 million budgeted Friday the 13th movie. We need maybe no. 10 to 12, and that might be overdoing it. If they can make these horror movies for five, do it. Do a, do a Friday the mm-hmm. 13th for five million. There were Absolutely. only There were only two years in the 80s where there wasn't a Friday the 13th movie. Mm-hmm. That's nuts, especially at that time. Yeah, it's just, it's insane. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me!
move on to our, like, our little superlative section where we have a list of favorite things in the movies. Uh, first one is obvious. It's favorite kill. This movie is really obvious. The sleeping bag, right? Everybody's got the sleeping bag. Yeah, I, I, I think we're all on board on the sleeping bag. Which That's is one of the best yeah. murders The best cut the MPAA made was that because it was multiple hits and yeah. tiresome before, and this just perfect with her screaming in there, and just her body just shuts down when it hits. Yeah, I, you know I was going to say the house, but yes, it is, it is the sleeping bag kill. The, the interesting thing about that, that kill, too, is, and, and what you say about the MPAA, it's, you're right, that was the one thing they got right, because if you see, like, Jason, Jason X, when they have the, the, you know, they kind of play homage to that scene, it's funnier. It, it comes off because comedic. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. This one's pretty freaking creepy. It's both. It's it's a punch. It's yeah, a, you're laughing because you're nervous about it, and then mm-hmm. and then and then when you see it later in Jason X, you laugh because it's calling back to it. Even her dialogue is hilarious. Uh, weakest kill I have is Robin, who just gets simply tossed out a window, which would not have killed her. No. Yeah. Uh, would have maimed her. Sure, <laughs> sure. She wouldn't have been doing cartwheels after you know she was yeah. thrown, but. She, even like the way she lands, it looks like it, it's it's pretty clear that she just jumps from off camera on camera. It's right. just like a little like a little plop, you know. And she 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 gets thrown through a window, not a scratch on her from all the broken glass. No glass lands around her either. It's just I'm on the ground now. Unfortunately, it was an effect gone wrong. She was supposed to be cut in half, and when they they viewed the dailies, it looked fine. But when they got it on a big screen, it Looked bad. They didn't have the time, budget, or patience for the MPAA, so they just threw out a window. What do you What do you guys have for weakest kill? I would probably go with that one as well. I think my issue with that it could have been a very simple fix. Again, you know, they they didn't have her cut in half, but they could have had at least like a quick shot of her face, maybe with glass sticking yeah. out something like an Argento I mean, kill. Yeah, yeah, that would have been awesome. I think that. Do you think the girl in the barn is kind of? And I keep forgetting her name for some bizarre reason. Maddie. Maddie. Maddie yeah. But I just I I like the buildup and I like the I like where it goes and I like I like the scene in general. But I I always feel let down by that. I'm like eh, I want to see what happens. I want to see what he does to yeah. her for some reason. She's annoying. She annoys the hell out of me in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh well. She's, she's not a very likable character. There are not many likable characters. No, no in this movie. there are not. There oh, are not. Yeah. Oh, what's your weakest kill? My weakest kill is uh, what the stoner guy David. that gets killed. David. Oh uh, when yeah. He gets, when he gets killed in the kitchen, because Jason just comes up to him with a knife and just stabs him in the gut, and then that's the end of it. The, like the, the best kills are like what you were you were saying, James, about how there's it's almost like a like a, like a the story of the kill. Like within that in that barn scene with with Maddie, where we see Jason, she gets chased into the barn. We see Jason come in. He goes away. He comes back and walks behind her. You know, there's beats to it. There's a story to it. Whereas in the kitchen, it's just he goes for a sandwich. He turns around and they get stabbed. That's, uh, that's nothing. Yeah, that's a pretty. There's a lot of weak kills in this movie because because of the MPAA. Yeah. There's there's just so many ch- missed opportunities and so many co- like the weed whacker thing is just yeah. tremendous and it's just wasted. Yeah, you just, well, when you, just when, wasted. When you hear that um, the weed whacker, you think, oh my god, Jason has a chainsaw, and then he yeah. comes in and it's like, oh, it's not a chainsaw, but this is still cool. 
And then you don't even really see him chop up uh, the doctor. It's just a big letdown. Yeah, they, I mean, they had that set for it really blood is. and guts and guts and guts and... The best if you and it can find it. So rewarding for the audience. On uh, oh yeah, on the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, they have the editor on there, and he's just depressed talking about all the stuff he had to cut and how hard they tried on that movie, the effects crew, and none of their work is fairly represented. I hope I didn't like hurt them getting like a job later on. Oh, they probably yeah, I know, right? Beekler still worked, so I'm sure he brought Ghost Guys around. Biggest douchebag, and I, I warned Cullen. When writing these lists, I said you cannot put entire cast. Uh, gotta... It's te- it's tempting. Yeah, because ninety percent are ninety yeah. percent of the cast is a douchebag in this. I put uh, I have Eddie the geek because I think probably he represents me here, and I'm not like that. But that's what every one of us film geek guys and writer people like all were back then, and he's just oh, <laughs> grinds my gears and just ugh. Wow! Wow! Yeah, he's uh, the, he's uh, he had a pretty impressive career. Wow! <laughs> the actor Jeff Bennett, he did eight things. Eight things. Oh my God, he was in Charles in Charge. Well, of course he was. Oh yeah, and Freddy's <laughs> Nightmares. What's oh, the deal with people. <laughs> Freddy and wow. Jason. There you go. Wow, he did he did them both. Yeah. How I, many people I, can say that? Exactly. Probably lie. <laughs> The biggest douchebag for me, it was a toss-up between uh, Melissa and uh, Dr. Cruz. And I had to think about it. Uh, but Dr. Cruz, at least he has a like, there's like a point to him being such a douche. You mm. know, he, he has discovered someone that has telekinesis. This, this, this thing of science fiction has become a reality in front of him. He's like, no. I have to study this. I got to figure out the limits. You know, there's a reason for it. Melissa's mm-hmm. just a piece of shit. She oh, she's wants- just a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just a bitch. She's just into Nick. She wants to feel that sweet denim against her skin. And that's not enough to treat Tina as poorly as she does. So I'd say Melissa's the biggest douche. How cool, how funny would it, would it have been, though, like if, if they, you know, if Friday 13th Part 7, she's hitting on Nick and... And, and Nick goes, dude, I'm gay, man. <laughs> Everyone else knows. <laughs> that would have made that movie amazing. And they had a split that. scene where Tina's all happy, and her mom's like, "What?" And she's like, "I met a boy." And they and then they <laughs> cut to Nick with like with like Eddie or somebody, be like, "I met a good friend finally." <laughs> yeah, we're besties. We're gonna go shopping together. I'm gonna show her the <laughs> finest <laughs> denim outlet she's ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Right after I get out of night school. Exactly. <laughs> Badass night school. Uh, who, who's your who's your douchebag, James? Oh, yeah. I, I think I'm at a quandary. I, I, I stick with Mel- uh, yeah, Tim, Melissa and uh, uh, Cruz because they're both a-holes. She's pretty awful. She, yeah. I credit, the, I credit her because she's really good at being a just complete and utter bitch. She'll get, she'll she's get one really up good at it. in the blonde bitch department. She'll get one up in the next one when someone tries to knock the, the hero off the boat. Being yeah. like, that is a good point. Yeah, 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 you're right. She's that, the prototype that, that, for her. That's what she's pretty much. That's like the, uh, that's like the uh, Friday the 13th meets Showgirls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I would have to go with, I think I'll go with Melissa just because she's really, really, and, and again, she's, I, I think she's a pretty solid, she gives a solid show. She's really bitchy and it, it doesn't seem fake. And I, I think we were talking earlier, it's like, 
she's one of the apparently had the nicest reputation was one of yeah. the nicest people there which is you know that's usually how it is the bitchiest characters are usually the nicest actors mm-hmm. who's uh, your friend zone character who do you want to hang with in this movie i i was between david and nick but i'm gonna go with nick i'll, I'll wear the denim with him yeah yeah well, he just well, seemed like a nice might... guy he just he was he solid does. throughout the thing david was kind of a non like the guy's in the movie he has sex with a girl in the movie but he's such a non-factor in anything. He even gets killed, he gets decapitated, but you just forget, like, the most forget, one of the most forgettable characters ever in the series, maybe. I, I'm gonna go with Nick. How about you I would guys? go with, I would go with Nick, or, Michael seems cool, too. Uh, William Butler's character, he's, he's only in there for a couple of minutes. He seems like a nice guy. I like that guy. Maybe it's just because I like William Butler. I don't know. <laughs> I liked him. But yeah, I would go with Nick or, 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 or Michael, which is appropriate name, by the way. Of yeah. course, Michael. Yeah, mm-hmm. Michael killed by Jason. <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna pick Eddie uh, for a friend. I don't know if this would be a long term friendship. Might just be for the night, you know, like pick uh, his brain. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, because he likes science fiction, and I think he likes to get high. I could do that. I get high with him and 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 talk about Dark Star. Why not? <laughs> Let's get nuts. We could all do that. Let's just let's just do that let's right, do right now. Let's all right. call up. Signing off. Yeah, with, yeah, with, with people I actually like. And no, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, your, your crush from the movie. I, I chose Robin because it's Elizabeth Kaitan, who I kind of had a thing for back in the day. She's actually her second appearance on Colts of the Cavalcade. She wasn't in Splatter University, but she was the model on the box for Splatter University. That's hilarious. And she also would appear in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Ah, uh, so good. Who would you guys yeah, I- crush? Uh, I didn't have one. There was <laughs> no, no one in this movie did a thing for me. I thought Wait, the, not, cat, I thought the not, cat was cute. Not Terry Kaiser. <laughs> you didn't dig him. Terry Kaiser and the cat. Tina's mom was a fox. She was hot. Or oh, chipmunk. Oh one of the two. Yes. Tina. Maybe she, maybe she put like like a bonnet on or something to cover up that hair. We'll talk. Maybe I don't know. But otherwise, huh. hard, hard pass. I yeah. This is I. I would probably go, go with Tina just because I, I I think I at the time I had a crush on her, Lara Park Lincoln, and I, I was always a sucker for the the last girl standing. So, yeah, I'd probably go with Tina. I had a crush on her, for uh, sure. Unlike our last movie we, where we had disappointments, uh, disappointment, the character that you wanted to die that it didn't, uh, Nick and Tina survived. Does anybody have a problem with either of them? I, I, I could have seen Tina go. I, I, maybe. <laughs> well, that, you, that would that would have broken the rules. Though. You can't you can't yeah. kill a, a, a last the final girl. At least a, until the first five movie. minutes of the next movie. You got to hold yeah, on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well. They, interestingly enough, though, isn't I mean, I, it seems like the only one they did that to was Adrian King. Yeah, it was Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What the hell did Alice do? My God! Not want to come back for the sequel? Well, I, yeah. I, it seems like she did, and she was disappointed with the role. I, I, well, no, I she had a, she had a real life stalker, and she wanted nothing to do with another movie, but oh, agreed yeah. to, agreed to come back. And then they killed her, and as she had a stalker, a very stalker like scene where she was getting harassing phone calls, just like real life for her. Yeah, so. yeah, I do, I do remember that. So. She's a cool chick. I really like her too, and she's very, she's, she's very into, surprisingly she, open about it. Does she have like a vineyard or something now. She was like Friday Night so. Wines. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Last uh, funniest line or moment from the movie. Uh, I have the sleeping bag kill doubling up for humor, and uh, I mm. like Nick's line. And now I go to night school, and I don't know why. But, it's not funny. I don't. I just the way he delivers it. 
Well, he says it. It sounds like he's a badass. Yeah, that's he true. He goes huh? to night school. I'm going to night school, yo. <laughs> Motherfucker. Fresh ass at night school. <laughs> my, my favorite line was something that could have easily been missed. It was at the very beginning of the movie when Tina's mom and dad are fighting. And, like, Tina, you know, runs out of the house. And you hear Tina's dad say, don't tell me what to do. And that's something that I say to my wife uh, all the time, but not like how like the dad in this movie says it because I'm not a monster, but like, it was like a joke because my dad would always say it to my mom and I could never tell if he was being serious or not. So it's like a joke between my wife and myself that uh, to say that. And when she was in the room when during that part in the movie, and we, she laughed really hard <laughs> at that time too. So don't tell me what to do. It was a special place in my heart. Right, James? Wait, oh, funny. Wow. Um, you guys find it, death funny? What? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really offended by this. Uh, no, I would say <laughs> I do. I, a sleeping bag scene is very funny. The you're a big hunk of a man. <laughs> I would probably say that. And I also, I, I, this is a little sick. I find uh, Melissa's death a little funny because no, she's it's just supposed to be even yeah, even Fuck in her death, both. she's just a bitch. She's a bitch. She's yeah. just a bitch, and she gets it, and you're like, yeah, you're kind of rooting for... Well, look, we're rooting for Jason a lot in these movies, generally, so... But, uh, yeah, definitely with that one, I was like, yeah, you you, you earned this, bitch. You're you're dumb. And, <laughs> wow, she was a hate. I feel so bad for her, because she, she, the actress has passed away since, and it's... Yeah, uh, yeah it's really sad, because... But she, hey, she did it well. She was good. Yeah. No, so yeah, this is, I don't know, this is one of my lesser favorites, Friday the 13th, in the Paramount canon of them all. I, do, I don't, I think it works best when watched by itself randomly rather than with some of the others, because it, it's kind of showing the old formula tiring a little bit. This isn't one, if you're going to marathon these things, this isn't one that you put in there. This is one that you just watch by itself. Yeah, I'm just going to watch then, it Friday the 13th tonight. Uh, yeah, let's go with seven. Yeah, and even then, it's just, well, I haven't watched this in a while. What the heck? I, you know, like, I've watched all the others three times since I've watched this once. So, yeah, I'll watch it. And, yeah, this is the, they're trying something different, the Carrie versus Jason. But if you think about it, it's really the same thing, just the person isn't physically handling chairs and stuff to throw at him. They're just using their mind. But it's still... Still looks pretty awesome, and that's the highlights of the movie. But you could see why next time they were like, okay, let's get out of here. Let's go on a boat. Let's go to Manhattan. Let's do something different. And they start taking Jason to different places after this. They'll give him, they'll, you know, they take him to, you know, space. They take him, they they hit and body swap him, and then they, you know, put him up against Jay, uh, Freddy Krueger's, and he goes to Elm Street. So it's just, they're, they're realizing it after this one, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> like every other one, until Freddy versus Jason is almost, it feels like they're just delaying uh, Freddy versus Jason. It really feels like, well, we couldn't do that, so here's this instead. Yeah, this one. And so, and so, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, this one has its fans, but I, I just wonder how many, like, a lot of the arguments is, oh, but, you know, it was going to be this gory thing and this and this. I'm like, you have to judge the movie for what was released and what we have. We don't have yeah. a director's cut. We just, we have these scenes shown on a dvd and a blu-ray of vhs footage not not a, the full work print cut you can't watch it like it was yeah. supposed to be we just we have to take what we do have and i i exactly. think part like, of the part of the defense of the movie is what isn't there it, you know, it's like uh you know superman 4 
the idea in itself isn't that bad, but the product is terrible. Which you can find in our backlist episodes uh, featuring uh, Forbes Scott Middleton, Superman vs. Superman. So listen to it. Listen to it. Backtrack. So that's Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Tina knew. She tried to tell us. What will we be doing next time when Friday, October 13th, 2017 rolls around? I did not fill the hat, sorry, but I do have a number generator, the internet here, and I'm just going to uh, anticlimactically click this button and see what we're doing next. Any anything you want to do, Cullen? <laughs> anything we don't want? Uh, I'm always I'm always in it for five. It's gonna be the best day ever uh, when we get five. Yeah, uh, six is my favorite, so I always root for six or I root for five to see the shit house murder. Yes. So here we go, and okay, we will be talking something completely different. Jason X will be our next film, which is <sighs> okay. One of the more recent ones, even though it's. Uh, turning like 16 this year and really if you go when they filmed it closer to 20 years old <laughs> but uh that'll be a fun one to talk about i like that one and i uh, also enjoyed that one i think it's the it's the first friday the 13th or i guess technically it would be a jason movie by saw in the theater one of the few but yeah so that's where we'll be going next uh, i want to thank james for coming in and filling in and maybe coming back for some more later on appreciate I'd that. love to. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. For the October 13th Jason X episode, which yeah, we're looking forward to. In the meantime, from January 13th to October 13th, where can people uh, find what you're doing? Well, you can find me on joeblow.com. You can find me on arrowintheheadcom You can find me on the set of my new movie in Dallas this weekend. <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, on you know Instagram, Periscope, Snapchat, Facebook, either Jimmy to the O or James Oster or somewhere in there. And on uh, videos with some of the best press junket interviews I've seen. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate uh, yeah. that. Always, always unique there. I, I'm getting, I know I'm getting what I'm not from all the other generic places. Yeah, well, the, it's interesting about junket interviews because you, you really don't have much of a choice. You're asking about the movies. And, it, you know, if you go in for a four-minute interview, so let me ask you about the next movie you're doing because I don't care about this movie. It looks really bad. Mm. So you just try and go and have fun and just have a nice conversation. That's really all I try to do. Yeah, I was just watching you with uh, Jamie Foxx and Michelle Monaghan this morning, and I was like, oh, this is good stuff. Thanks, man. So, yeah, uh, that's where you can find M- Mr. Oster, and you can find us Monday when we're back for Roller Boogie with uh, Linda Blair for her oh, birthday so episode. Good. Until then. So good. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade's bonus Friday the 13th episode. You can find more of Randy's work on the Permanently Geek YouTube channel and on Twitter at RL Schaefer Wright. Colin is on Twitter at My Name is Colin. Brandon is on Twitter at BT Peters, and you can also find his written work at whysoblue.com. Episode produced by Brad Shoemaker, edited by Brandon. Friday the 13th, Part 2, property of Paramount Pictures, and no infringement is intended. Please tune in every other Monday for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Oh, he's the man behind.
I thought you were going to say Neil Breen when you couldn't come up with the second part. <laughs> and I was going to lose my mind if you said Breen. But who is Neil Breen? He makes. Oh my uh, gosh! Oh wow! He, he's made like some of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. He he, li- he his name. Yeah, he lives in uh, Vegas, and he's like a architect realtor guy, and he he makes. There's rumor that he was in the original Scream as a policeman. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, he is against the Hollywood system. He makes Tommy Wiseau look like, you know, competent and, and like a sports filmmaker. Wells. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This guy's yeah. the real deal. And he, we, we asked, we all, we tried to get him on the show, but he didn't want to come on. Um, he actually got back to us and said, you know, interview is not possible at this time and you can buy my new movie here. But, yeah. um, uh, Pass through is this him? Yep, this is him. Double down, pass through. I am here. Dot dot dot. Now, faithful findings. Faithful findings. Which faithful findings is uh-huh. on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, that's free on there. And that's probably uh, we have only seen the first three, and we did them on the show. And faithful findings is probably the best gateway. Yeah, it, it's wow. interesting. You can actually like see him get better as the movies go along. I mean, they're all still just train wrecks. But you can see him learn from his mistakes, and he like hires better. He hires time. strippers for actors, and <laughs> wow, and, and like they he, look like it. Yeah. And these women, like he has to have like kissing scenes with them with their tops off. There's no like real sex scenes, but like you can tell every one of them's gross, grossed out to have to have romantic scenes with them. It's like he he's looks never at, kissed a woman. Yes. Well, I'm looking at him. I'm not surprised. He's not attractive. <laughs> no, he's not. And he, in every movie, he has his shirt off. And his face oh. matches his chest. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, he kind of reminds me of, like, a, a, a ugly Gary Shandling. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. A deflated oh Gary God. Shandling. That's what, yeah. In his, when he smiles, it's unsettling. It, yeah, he's it, pretty ugly. Yeah, it's like, it's like, like a ghoul smiling, wow. you know? Yeah, it's um, it's breathtaking. How? Well, yeah, I, 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 um, I may be avoiding those 